I'm Noah. And I'm Ben. And you're listening to Product Journey. How's it going, Joshua? Going going well. How are you doing, Noah? Pretty good. So for you listeners, you probably noticed that uh, Joshua is not usually in on this podcast. He's actually our first guest. Ben is away on vacation this week, and so I thought we'd have Joshua Anderton uh, come along on the podcast. He's actually the founder of Upscribe, which is a newsletter um, to subscribe a subscribe form newsletter for Medium, right? Right, right. And then he's also the host of a podcast called Getting to Raymond, which I've listened to some, and it's pretty awesome. So, yeah, that's Joshua. Joshua, can you kind of share a little bit more about what Upscribe is, just so that you know listeners have a little bit more context <laughs> before we dive into different topics around that? Yeah, for sure. So, uh, so Upscribe uh, basically is a um, it's a it's a tool for creating embeddable opt-in forms. Uh, so because they're uh, they su- it supports the OEmbedly API, uh, sorry OEmbed API. Um, it's uh, you can actually just like paste a link to it, and then just like when you're gonna embed a YouTube video or something, it yeah. it uh, uses the OEmbed API to pull in this iframe with your form in it. So um, for platforms where you can't actually place HTML on the page or uh, whatever JavaScript mm-hmm. snippet. Um, it, it's uh, really handy. It just pulls right in, uh, pulls an iframe in, so you can you can use a form. Nice. So, are your users mostly mostly like bloggers and people that are on those kind of platforms that you know they're not really developers. They're not making their own website at all. They're on something else, and so they need that extra feature. Uh, yeah, yeah. So mainly. A majority of uh, of my users are on Medium, and so they're bloggers and yeah. uh, uh, some brands. So uh, there are businesses that are using it, and then uh, and then authors, a, lo- a lot of authors okay. as well. So yeah. that's cool. So then, like, what what do they usually use the form for? Like, are they mostly using it to get people to subscribe to like their newsletter, or do people use it for other things as well? Yeah. So uh, so mainly. Uh, mainly, it's for uh, email marketing or or for a, like a weekly newsletter or whatever. So they're integrating. Okay. Uh, we've got integrations with uh, Mailchimp and ConvertKit and Email Octopus and a bunch of other tools. Uh, so that's what mm-hmm. people are generally doing: is they're they're uh, sending all of their subscribers to Mailchimp or whatever, and then they've got their their newsletter there. Okay. Awesome. So I think on your podcast, I was listening to that you're actually starting to work part-time on this is that right yeah yeah so so that was kind of a scary transition I uh a few weeks back um I um I was having a conversation with um a friend who's the the founder of email octopus so uh he just moved here from uh from England uh Jonathan Bull he used to live in London just moved to Vancouver and we connected over Mm -hmm. like indie hackers like uh, okay nice and yeah so then uh so we've been we've been kind of like uh doing like working downtown at his office every once in a while and this was one of the things that he had suggested that i do was uh in rather than tr- like trying like waiting until i can make the full switch to going full time just doing a couple of days uh working a couple of days on upscribe and then still keeping the day job for the first three so 
yeah, so that's been a, a cool transition, kind of kind of weird waking up on a Thursday and like you not have to answer, don't have to answer the check-in call, you know, like that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, that is definitely. So have you seen that you're, you feel like you're able to get more stuff done because of that from the get-go, I guess? Um, it, well, not, not right away. Like it's one of those things where, um, when you don't have a lot of time to spend on something, you kind of like are forced to pick the most important items. But as yep. soon as you've got lots of time to spend, it's really easy to get into the weeds and go like, Oh, I'll just pick this off and this off and that off. And I'm like, I'll quickly fix that. And, and then you, mm-hmm. so it's, so it's definitely taken more self-control to like, just pick three things at the beginning of the day. I'll write in a notion document or whatever. If I finish mm-hmm. these things, then I'll have had a successful day. And then if I get to other stuff, that's great. But so. yeah. Or it's like now you have more time that you can maybe waste or like spend more time on Twitter or look at right. other stuff. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, so what we usually do on this podcast, you know, is talk through, me and Ben will talk through kind of what we're doing week to week, what we're learning, what kind of things we're struggling through, decisions that we're making. And so, I know, I mean, you're the first guest that we've had, which is awesome, but we'd kind of like to do the same thing with any guests that we have. Cool. And I think it'd be cool just to kind of jump into kind of what you're doing, what decisions you're making, and, you know, hopefully that can be helpful to people to learn from that as well so uh how was this last week for you like what are some of the things you're trying to figure out and do this last week man well uh this week has been pretty crazy um so uh so yeah so i started the podcast um about a month ago and just kind of like Mm -hmm. it's kind of always been like i've wanted to have some sort of an outlet and um audio seemed like the easiest way to get into something because I don't have a whole lot of time for blogging right now or, or writing. And so, yeah. yeah, so just started recording on the morning uh, commute, just like while I'm walking to work. And uh, I and thought that was a very unique idea, by the way. Okay. <laughs> just okay. While you're walking. <laughs> that was cool. <laughs> well, yeah, it's kind of, and I just use my iPhone. Actually, it wasn't as bad as I, like quality-wise as I thought it would be, but um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it was just kind of like a way to get into it. But but anyways, that that's kind of that's actually opened up um, a, um, a lot of doors that I wasn't really expecting. So just like some people that I've so I got an email from the founder of uh, one of the founders of UserList, and they asked me to uh, interview Benedict Dyka, who's one who's their develop their technical co-founder. Yeah, which I would like, and I wasn't really planning on. Wait, so they <laughs> asked you? Yeah. Yeah, so they, that's interesting. Yeah, I know. I was like totally thrown off. Uh, it was like, obviously, it was like amazing. Um, uh, Jane Portman, who who runs the, uh, she's got a podcast herself, the UI Breakfast podcast, and uh, she sent me an email and she's like, hey, like I think the people that listen to, that would listen to getting to Rama would also um, would appreciate what we're doing as well and. Uh-huh. And uh so anyway, so so yeah, so of course I said yes, but like I was like I wasn't pl- I mean eventually I'd love to do interviews, but I just w- hadn't really thought about it enough. So so we did an interview which was which was like a lot of fun and uh so I was editing that today. Um 
but yeah, so it's it's kind of been a a, a busy week and a half or whatever. Uh, with well, with that, and then uh, sorry, trying kind of like trying to remember everything that happened. So <laughs> yeah, I the, mean, yeah, that's, that's yeah, always the struggle. Totally. the The big thing was though, I I got a, a message. So I, I joined Mega Maker last week. Mm-hmm. And and that's been awesome. Just met met a few people there, and and Justin Jackson, uh, who runs the um, the group, who, yeah, yeah, runs the group. He he sent me a, a or I can't remember what it was for. Anyways, he he messaged me and said he had a um, a private video that he was he was gonna link link for me that uh, because he had some advice for Upscribe, and uh, mm-hmm. and he's like one of my my heroes so so I'm yeah like, what, what, what the heck and so it turns out he's he actually used upscribe uh oh really yeah and you didn't know that he used it uh no it was in the past so like and i so i feel like it maybe at the time he wasn't re- I, like he wasn't really on my radar um okay yeah uh so i didn't realize i didn't realize this but uh he kind of went into why he feels that i'm losing traction with upscribe and and because mm-hmm. of the changes that have been happening with medium and and with uh, really the industry in general, so that's been uh, that's been really interesting. That is interesting. Um, so I guess what are some of the changes, or maybe some of the changes that he sees that are happening, maybe with medium or in the industry? Yeah. So uh, so I asked him if we could get on a call, and he uh, he agreed. Um, so I and and so I recorded it, so it'll go. It'll actually go on the the podcast. Uh, oh, nice! Probably, probably fun. next week. Yeah, yeah. So, and so we uh, he kind of walked me through like, um, basically, basically what's happened with Medium is since they've added a paywall um, and changed their algorithm a little bit, it's harder for um, the the more more well-known writers or really any writers to get featured on the homepage and mm. uh well so, sorry so the the algorithm is keeping them from getting featured on the homepage and then the paywall of course just makes the experience um not as ideal for yeah for for getting new readers and, and stuff and so uh so because of that a lot of more well-known uh, well, a lot of authors in general are, or, or bloggers are moving away from Medium and just having their own personal blog. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so that's kind of been like, I've seen that shift slowly. The, the part that I, the part that kind of distracted me, has been distracting me from that is that there's still a lot of new bloggers that are coming onto the platform because it's still like, it's like YouTube for, for articles. Yeah. Like it's still a great way to get discovered. Um, big platform yeah yeah but the the problem with that is that new new bloggers don't get as much value from upscribe because uh really you're getting your subscribers are going to come from uh writing great content like you writing great content and them going oh this is great i want to join in the forms the forms are just like a way to catch those those subscribers but they're not it the the forms aren't uh, causing people to subscribe, if that makes sense. It's all, it all, all comes down to the content that you're writing, basically. So, so it's much more well, valuable. So, 
I mean, wouldn't the form still be important though? Just because it's, you know, you, yeah, you got to make the great content, but you're catching those people that find, you know, find you, I guess, I, I guess I wouldn't expect any other way. Right. Yeah. It, it's, it's still, um, it's still useful, but the problem is that if a business is getting leads through their their posts, it's worth paying for for them. But for new bloggers, even if even if it's working well, justifying paying monthly for upscribe is is not as easy when you you're not making money from your blog or whatever. So that's kind of the, the I big, see. big shift. That's so it's kind of like upscribe's perfect market really should be like the new bloggers, the people that are trying to build their, you know, build their audience. But then at the same time, Medium's kind of going against that, I guess, where then all the the people that it would work for more so don't really need it as much because they already, I mean, they're going to other, their own website, their own blog and stuff. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. So, so... What are you thinking to do about that? Yeah, so basically, uh, basically Justin, uh, at the end of it all, kind of summed it up by saying, "Like, listen, you've got a few options here, Josh. You can, um, you can try and pivot. You can try and uh, take what you've built here and force people in a different market to to use it." Um, so you'd like pop-up forums or something like, you know, cu- customize the product a little bit. You can sell it is another option because mm-hmm. it, it is making $5,000 a month and it, but it's just, it's just not growing very quickly. So for somebody yeah. that's like, that's awesome. And obviously like it's exciting and everything, but, um, yes, yeah, so I mean, you've had uh, some success with, I mean, you're doing 5,000 MRR, right? Mm-hmm. I mean that's pretty good. So, yeah, and I, like, um, learned I've learned a ton with that, and that's been um, that's been really fun. Uh, it's just that it's also taken th- like three years for it to get to five k MRR, mm. and typically mm-hmm. it, it typically for a SaaS company, it's like a year and a half to get to that place at the, at the very most. So, mm-hmm. uh, so that's kind of been the so so anyways so so yeah so Justin basically said like you can you can try and pivot you can sell it um, or uh, um, uh, or you can uh, or or he said or maybe maybe you should just look for you know there's a lot of great developer jobs maybe this isn't for you at all maybe you should just you know think about just like getting a great job you'll probably make more money. And so it was kind yeah. of like this great, like, I mean, it was super helpful, super, super valuable. He's got so much experience in the industry that like, uh, it, it's, it's just, uh, yeah, it was really great to hear from him, but it really got me thinking about a lot of things in a good way. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of been what's been <laughs> like the big questions. Yeah, just exactly. Like, just, and those are always hard. Cause it's like, this could go anyway. Like, I really don't know where things are going and, uh, I've yeah, I've had a lot of those recently. <laughs> Just like oh, yeah. not sure where third things are going. <laughs> yeah, well, that was I, it was nice. Like I was listening to uh, product journey and and some of the 
um, some of the struggle and the processing that you had to go through with with Coffee Pass was uh, was helpful to you know it's it's always nice to hear when somebody's going through something similar, right? Mm-hmm. And so that was valuable for me um, uh, to listen to how yeah. you, you were going through that and handling it. So I, I'm curious, uh, like how much time do you feel like you have to spend on Upscribe to kind of just keep it going, keep, you know, support issues, whatever, like. Yeah, um, it's generally, it, it can, at the most, it's a couple hours every day on, on customer service. Um, and, but sometimes it can, sometimes it can be like 15 minutes a day. So it's, it's, um, it's it's not bad and i've and kind of because of some of these changes i've gone in and removed a bunch of features that were were causing more uh work for me but not not really providing a lot of value for the users um so mm-hmm. that's helped as well there's just less to to fix um yeah cuz yeah like part of part of the situation makes me feel like if you can get it to like basically a very minimal time commitment, could it make sense to just kind of let it play out, kind of see what happens? Maybe maybe you do start working on some something else, but uh, you could just have Upscribe still keep going. Maybe it's you know it's making you the five thousand month or whatever, and who knows what could. Maybe it dies out, and then I guess that's that's that. Or maybe something changes in the market and all of a sudden it starts doing way better and you'd be like okay maybe i should come back to this um that's one thing that we were considering with coffee pass and still might be the road we end up going with just because it kind of felt like maybe the market wasn't ready for it yet right yeah um absolutely i think i think ultimately what i'm leaning towards is upscribe is a great little side project and um i uh, i i can see the potential of it being valuable in this kind of no code era um like no code movement some of these platforms oh yeah where that's really the only way you can get a form into it is is to embed um Mm -hmm. so i'm like i'll I'll kind of test the waters there, but um, but but yeah, ultimately it's like it's a it's a great side project. I've learned a ton from it, um, but I'm I'm starting to think about kind of go through uh, the process of coming up with a new a new idea, um, mm-hmm. a new a new company. I could see. I mean, kind of the hard thing on Upscribe is in some ways it's kind of dependent. It sounds like for the most part on Medium. Yeah. So it's like you're dependent on how they do things, how they, I mean, so yeah, it's like, it really could, if they change something about the platform, it could all of a sudden make Upscribe like huge, you know? Right. It's, it's hard to tell. <laughs> um, yeah. Or, or it can uh, wipe it out or they altogether. Can kill it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is, and it's come close a couple of times. The, they've changed their policy, like terms of use and, and uh, like, Luckily, they they reached out and uh, and they uh, basically said like, hey, this change has been made. Unless you can be compliant with it, then we're gonna have to pull Upscribe off the the platform. So it was like, so it was able to fix it and and we're still supported. But um, but yeah, it's like it's just that easy. All of a sudden, they can just say no, no more embeds, 
and then that like there are just very few people using Upscribe for anything other than Medium, and it would so it would just be that would be it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I've been thinking. I mean, starting to think more and more about this, like, mm-hmm. you know, just like new ideas to start on, like maybe what you're thinking about and like what market to go in and things right. like that. And it definitely seems very different in like the indie world or in like the bootstrapper world of like what's possible. Because in some ways, like an idea like Upscribe, where it is dependent on some other bigger players and stuff, sometimes it seems like those kind of businesses are almost like the perfect ones for like a, a single solo entrepreneur indie business. So mm-hmm. I don't know, it's hard. It's it's hard to find the right thing that's within the niche that you care about and that you are interested in, but also like something that just can't get taken by like a giant player and right. that you can do as a solo entrepreneur, as an indie. So like... Yeah, how are you thinking through that, or, or are you just starting that process, or? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I and um, I think, you know, it's it's pretty timely. Like Justin, uh, Justin Jackson, and uh, I mean, really the the bootstrapping, um, the bootstrapping uh, community is 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 really talking a lot about, you know, like. As bootstrappers, we're not trying to create a new market. We're we're trying mm-hmm. to we're going to look at established markets and uh, and potentially even pick a, a service that we've already seen validated and like let's just build something and make a business out of it and and live the life that we want to live. And so that's been that's been helpful because obviously I think when you are entrepreneurial and you kind of get in into it in the beginning the the first the uh like the tendency is like i want to build the next facebook you know and like it's really hard to think about it's really hard to to think about that um and and the odds are just totally against you even if you have the money and the skill set and the team and like it still doesn't mean you're gonna gonna make it so so yeah so it's been it's it's great it's a great time to be thinking about starting a business um, especially if you are paying attention to the bootstrap like community. So that's been nice. But mm-hmm. I mean, but like for you, how have you, cause you're in the same boat right now. Like how are you, how are you working yeah. through that? Well, so I mean, in some ways that's kind of why we ended coffee pass was because we recognized that the business was getting to a point where for us to make it work, we'd have to go out and probably raise a lot of money and like kind of go more the other route of venture capital startup kind of stuff where like we just got to get this thing to grow, grow, grow before it can really make money, um, which we didn't like that. Right. And um, and actually, I don't know, probably like three, four months ago, that's really when I found kind of this whole community, like indie hackers and uh, just all the different people talking about just the different way to maybe run a business like this. And so, I mean, yeah, that was, that definitely came into even how we started thinking about where we wanted to go with Coffee Pass because it just made it sound like super risky and we didn't really like that. Um, and so we're trying to sell it. Um, and we've had some good news recently. Like we found, so this is pretty crazy actually. So we had a guy who... Apparently he was just with his friend in a coffee shop and he had an idea 
uh, basically the coffee pass idea. Like, oh, we should okay. make it easy for local shops to do order ahead. Mm-hmm. So then he searches online and he finds us. And so then he, he emails me, reaches out and is like, hey, I'd like to, uh, I love what you guys are doing. I'd like to be involved in any way I can. Maybe part of like an equity kind of deal or something. I don't know. So I call him and I'm like, hey, so uh, I'm glad that you're interested in like being involved, but we're actually selling it right now. Right. <laughs> and so then I was like, would you be interested? <laughs> and uh, he was actually like very interested, which is awesome. pretty crazy. Okay. So he's actually also probably the perfect person to buy it because he owns a software firm with like 10 software developers. Like he has the infrastructure to, you know, maintain this and keep it going and push it forward, which that was what we were definitely struggling with because the main people we were finding to be able to sell it to were like roasters of big, big roasters and stuff that have, you know, no technical, no software people. And it was just kind of a hard sell. Like, it also kind of felt like if we sold it to them, we would just be ending up on the hook to fix any issues that come right. up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we didn't really want to go that way. But anyways, we've done multiple meetings with this guy, sent a lot of data over to him. And the last thing he told us, we actually had a meeting uh, two days ago, and he's going to send us a proposal, I guess, that next week. So... Um, not, I mean, it sounds good, um, but, uh, trying to keep our expectations, not like too high (laughs) because things could fall through, like who knows what's going to happen, but I don't know. It seems promising. So that's been kind of cool with that. Um, yeah, totally. Well, it's it's one of those things where it's like you, obviously you want to be able to move on, um, but you still want what's best for your baby for you know for this thing that you've been working on and and so it's nice to know that you'd have somebody like that can take care of it and yeah know, for sure it. do you have a lot of existing customers that are that you're you're also uh that are kind of moving along with yes so we have like 19 shops that use it so like local cop shops that use it in their shops right and then basically all of our customers that actually use the app are just those shops customers. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, we want to take care of those shops. And so hopefully this would be a good way to do that. Right. Um, but it, I mean, it is a hard situation, kind of similar to what you're facing. Like, is it worth the time to keep going with it? Because um, like we don't make much money from Coffee Pass, hardly at all. And so it's like, do we want to just keep kind of maintaining this and spending, you know, time support supporting it to maybe not go anywhere with it? And so that's why we kind of came to if uh, if we can't sell it to someone that makes sense, then probably eventually we just drop it Um, and, and, you know, try to take care of our shops the best we can, like pass them on to maybe a competitor or something. But. Yeah, so it's definitely a hard position to be, like, to know oh, yeah. the balance of, like, how much time should we spend on this thing, or should we just leave it behind and go focus towards the future of a new product, a new business, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's the it's the struggle of, of the maker. It's like, I've, I've, I've been meeting with a, um, a friend of mine named Kelvier Sandu, and he's a 
um, very experienced entrepreneur and developer uh, in here in Vancouver. And one of the things that he's he was he's been saying to me is is like is like listen, Josh, like uh, we're makers, we can build anything. So the the hard part is like, are you working on the right thing? You know, that's kind of <laughs> yep. the. So that's always the struggle. It's like, sure, we can have a bunch of these side projects going at the same time and and be pulled in a bunch of different directions. But like, is there one thing that you could be working on that could be making the most impact? And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah. It's the other hard thing with that is as a, a maker, like I feel like we get distracted really easy, yeah. like easily. Like we see some other cool idea or some other new technology, like oh, I want to like build something with that. I want to play around with that, and like oh, I can make a business out of that. But it's like then you're all of a sudden like getting yourself spread out in like multiple things that you shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. I've done that before for sure. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's rough. Um, and, and, and like the, my, my hunch and what I'm really hoping is that, uh, that it's, it's not as complicated to, you know, that it's like, like, so my dad uh, runs a landscape company. He's been doing that for, like, as long as I can remember. Okay. And, and, and like, he's entrepreneurial, but it's not like he went out and he, he, he wasn't trying to reinvent the wheel or create a new market or, like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there's lots of landscape companies uh, that are making a living. And so he, you know, picked something that he knew he could do and just started, you know, and he's been providing for our family for whatever 20 years with this thing and uh and so for me it's like i think i think that tech is just not a very like because it's still a young um industry it's like uh i think sometimes we forget that it's like maybe maybe the the key is maybe it is possible to just pick something that you've seen people do you know that's working just do it and spend enough time on it to make it a business you know like um, mm-hmm. so that's, yeah, that's, that's what I'm kind of toying with right now is like, maybe I, maybe I just need to get over my need to create something that no one else has ever done and, mm-hmm. and just, and just pick something that is working and, and do it my way, differentiate a little bit and, and just work on it consistently until it's a successful business, you know? So, yeah, I mean, I think that definitely seems like a good idea, <laughs> a good plan, definitely a less risky route to go because i think i'm I'm the same as you like i definitely want it i mean even with coffee pass like we wanted to start something that's like no one's doing this like this is a new cool thing and like i don't know that's mm-hmm. kind of like some in some ways like the exciting thing to do oh yeah um but it is also way riskier and the chances of it working are i think way less um so i think my my idea around that has definitely changed kind of through the experience of building coffee pass that I probably don't want to do that again. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so I saw on Twitter, I think you were asking Justin Jackson a question about the, like the difference between like choosing like a market and then like finding, seeing if there's like enough momentum in that market I was just curious, like, what were you getting at with that? It sounds like it's maybe similar to some of these things we're thinking about or talking about now, but right, yeah. So, um, so, so what I've been kind of thinking about lately is like, um, as I've been trying to pick a customer and a, um, like a vertical that I want to work on, is 
uh, I want to pick an established market, and uh, what what Justin Jackson was recommending, and um, and uh, people like Jason Cohen um, did, and uh, so Jason Cohen with uh, WP Engine or like Nathan Berry and ConvertKit is they picked mm-hmm. an established market that had momentum, and so I was kind of struggling with this concept of what is momentum. Um, Mm-hmm. is it and so so what I what I yeah so the question I posed was like if momentum is like a like to, to me momentum is something that happens kind of in a burst it's like you gain momentum and then it goes away at some point and so that was mm-hmm. kind of my thing is like how do you recognize momentum in in uh, in a market and I and I think that like like before it kind of reaches this huge threshold and so I think we saw it with podcasting recently where it's like it's a market that's been around for a long time, but all of a sudden it's just gotten really, really huge. Uh, it seems like mm-hmm. out of nowhere. And so, so it's like how do, you, how do you build the skill set to recognize when that's about to happen? And so Justin's response was it's not about, it's not about a surge of momentum. It's about a, a constant state of momentum that this that it, it's picking an established market that has that's highly active that has a lot of momentum constantly and mm-hmm. uh so that was yeah so that was the kind of that was the conversation there and it got a, responses from a few different uh like successful entrepreneurs that you know, so i think it's it i think it's kind of struck a chord it's an important distinction what is momentum yeah, yeah. I feel like it's hard <laughs> that is a very hard thing to know how to pick that out pick out markets that are growing or that there's new things coming about in I mean even looking at podcasting it's hard to understand it like it doesn't mm-hmm. really make sense in a lot of ways so I don't know how you do that then with other markets when you don't necessarily understand a market that just had that happen to it <laughs> right right yeah exactly well and that's and that's kind of where where i think the conclusion was uh, or at least how i understood it was uh a highly active market um it, well and and i think i think because the other dynamic is we want to build companies like i want to build a company that i can work on and run for the next 25 years like i, I want mm-hmm. to build a place that i'm going to enjoy working and so that so if that's the goal, uh, I don't I don't necessarily want to pick, uh, you know, a, like some some new fad or uh, some surge, uh, some even a market where it's like all of a sudden it's really popular right now. It might might dissipate tomorrow, and so yeah. so he's so the example I I think is best is like email marketing. It's like I think in email marketing because. It's easy to switch away from an email marketer provide like uh, ESP to another like from Mailchimp to mm-hmm. uh, ConvertKit or whatever Revu or uh, or whatnot. So so there's there's always a lot of movement and there's new businesses every day. Everyone needs email marketing. So so that was just that that's one great example of a market that's highly active. Like I think if I if I started a uh, email like an ESP an email service provider today and worked at it I think I could make a business out of it uh it's just not necessarily where I want that what I want to work on you know so that that was the example is it's like 
it's like the landscapers of the internet is these there's there's room for lots of ESPs because everyone needs an email marketing tool and you can have a little like a slightly different spin on it and make a make a business out of it yeah so I mean I see that but I guess I also worry about that like like is you know technology different than you know landscaping in that not necessarily that there's, you know, like a one wins all, but maybe there's like a, a group of people, a group of businesses that they're going to win all. Like like ESP, I feel like would maybe, just because it's a pretty mature market, be hard to break into. I like, yeah, yeah, I, I guess it, it is. I think it would be possible, but maybe mm-hmm. it would just be that much harder to break into since there's, you know, I don't know, maybe hundreds of ESP providers out there that... You know they're going to show up on the top of the Google searches and and all that kind of stuff and be known. Right. Where maybe like landscaping or those kind of businesses are different just because of like location. Like, um, you know they they pop up for people just in that area where they're not competing against you know the rest of the world. So I don't know. I that would be interesting to think more about. Yeah. Yeah. No. I and I know what you mean. I think um, like I know for. Um, I, I think it's just that there's less risk in trying to compete with a bunch of companies for a market that already is established, Exists. right? Than than trying to like because and I and I guess this is um, like a good example and like once again in email marketing uh, is uh, uh, Jonathan Bull and Email Octopus. His angle was. He uh, is you bring your Amazon SES account and you s- sign up for Email Octopus and uh, and they just basically and, and then it's significantly cheaper. You're using your M- your Amazon SES and they've mm, just basically mm-hmm. made the connection and they've given you an interface. And recently they they actually switched to being a full on ESP apart from Amazon SES. But um, okay. But in the beginning that was how they differentiated and so he's got a thriving business today business and it was like long after mailchimp and all you know like this is i think Mm -hmm. it's four years old now so it's kind of like it it it, and it's been difficult and it's been a lot of work and the odds are still stacked against uh, a company like like Mm -hmm. a new company Mm -hmm. like that but i think it's just less than trying to come up with this brand new thing and um yeah so, so maybe I, that I, yeah, that so part right. is important though to like have a differentiator that yeah you know can can give you some leverage right yeah that's cool well I definitely like where this conversation went that was definitely some definitely some hard things to think through and talk about and uh, yeah. it'll be interesting to see where you go with it. And uh, so I guess, yeah, listeners, you can follow Joshua on his podcast at Getting to Raymond. So check that out. We'll have links in the show notes and we'll have any other links that we mentioned um, in the show notes. But yeah, I think we're about out of time. So thanks for being on the podcast with me, Joshua. Yeah, no, it was my pleasure. Really, really excited. Can't wait to hear more from you guys and and, uh, keep up to date with what you're working on. Thanks. All right. Well, we'll see you guys next week.